0: The Dive into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki focused stories, 100% human. happened to all of us. We googled Reiki history, and the results are not that clear. We found very opposite information. And sometimes it's very, very confusing. So that's why I'm so excited to have today Dr. Justin Stein, PhD, uh, who will be really uh, helping us debunking some myths in Reiki history. Uh, Dr. Justin Stein is an instructor in Asian Studies at Queensland Polytechnic University. His research program focuses on how exchanges with transnational networks have shaped spiritual and religious practices and ideas in the North Pacific region. His work on Reiki, including original translations of historical materials, has been published in three languages. His upcoming book, Alternate Currents, Reiki Healing, North Pacific Networks, and the Circulation of Transnational Spiritual Therapies, focuses on the life and work of Hawaii Takata, whose cultural translation turned Reiki from an obscure Japanese practice into a source of healing and spiritual transformation for thousands of people around the world. Justin is also a Reiki practitioner. We move on to the wonderful interview. I wanted to remind you that you can support the podcast becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash diveintoreiki. Your support helps uh, with costs like editing, hosting, and transcribing. So it's very much appreciated. And you get exclusive early access to the interviews and knowing that you're helping spread valuable Reiki information to practitioners around the world may your support come back to you a thousand times and now on to the interview so thank you so much Justin. i know you're also a practitioner but i was so impressed with those credentials that i had to give them the full um beautiful length so thank you so much for saying yes to this interview
1: Thank you, Natalie. And like, yeah, as the, actually, I just sent off another thing to the publisher about the book and I was like, that title is too long. So I actually, <laughs> hopefully when it hits the, the market, uh, it'll maybe have a little bit of a shorter uh, <laughs> title, but also, yeah, um, I, a beautiful introduction. Uh, thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Really appreciate-
1: it's really a pleasure to, to be here yeah. with you.
0: No, I'm very excited. It reflects actually the fact that you've taken a lot of care and work. I'm sure the title will shorten and I didn't give it justice with my accent, probably some of the things. But I think again, the reason I'm so happy to talk to you is and I was very confused by Reiki history, right? I will Google things. And I remember a book that actually told me like aliens brought Reiki here. And then it went to, it was Christian. Then it went to India. And then I don't know how it landed in Japan. It was very confusing and all the sources are still very confusing. So I think having you here, um, because having that research background and all your knowledge is really priceless for all of us who are a little bit confused. And sometimes it affects even the way we practice, right? When When we don't have a clear background of what the practice is about, can we really, really practice? Or do we get as lost as when I believe it was made by aliens? But, which it may be, but I don't know, maybe you'll bring the evidence. I wanted to start, however, before we go into history, a little bit with your origin story. How did you discover Reiki and got interested in Reiki?
1: Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long of a version of the story to tell, but I'll I'll try to keep it in the medium range. Uh, So, uh, yeah, first I came to, first of all, I mean, my family, my mother particularly, has been a meditator since the 1970s. So I grew up with yoga and meditation and mantras and visualization as part of my development as a young person. Uh, went to a healer who told us you know, wild stories about all kinds of energies and, and entities and all kinds of stuff. So I've been exposed to this world from a young age. And then in my uh, late teens, early 20s, I began uh, practicing a chakra healing practice called Spiritual Human Yoga, and I got interested in what is this? It, on the one hand, it was, um, and I, I a little bit hesitate to use this word because I'm a professional researcher of uh, religious movements and new religious movements and spiritualities, but it's it's what the common parlance would say is a bit, a bit cultish, right? Where the, the leader seemed to be a bit manipulative and telling people things that I thought were a little irresponsible maybe, or uh, yeah, manipulative. And so I, I got interested in, I, I felt this you know, phenomenon in my body when I did the meditations, something powerful, it seemed like was happening in me when I would put my fingertips on someone. Wow. Like we both would feel like really remarkable phenomena. And, but at the same time, it seemed like this organization was something a little maybe suspect or or um, yeah, and so I was interested in that in that phenomenon and i I wrote and received a research grant to go around the world looking at different forms of energy healing oh. and uh, my, my research question was about the role of money in energy healing, and so under that auspice, i uh, received uh, reiki initiations first and second degree um while i was traveling first in india and then in japan and then uh and this was in 2001 2002 and um after that you know i i i also received initiations in other energy healing practices i was practicing qigong and and different you know yogic meditations. And I was, I mean, that was, I was, you know, 22 years old, 23 years old. And I was, that's probably the healthiest I'll ever be in my life. I don't know. Actually, I, I also got dysentery in India, but that's another story. Um, but the, yeah. So then I was just a practitioner for a while, you know, practicing on myself and some friends and my family occasionally. And then I just was like, what if I continued that research more? Like you said, the Reiki history was very unclear. Um, I was interested in, Joe Ray as well, another uh, yeah. healing practice with Japanese origins that has some similarities and some important differences. And so I ended up going to the University of Hawaii. My original project for my master's was going to be a comparative project with Reiki and Joe Day. And then my supervisor was like, it's too much for a master's thesis. Just pick one thing. And so I started being like, OK, I'll do a project on Reiki. And then my my chapter on the history of Reiki was just getting more and more complicated. The history was so, and people said, why don't you just write about that? And so that's what I ended up doing for my master's. And then for my dissertation, I just kind of went further with it and got to do all these interviews with, um, you know, some of uh, Hawaii Takata's earliest students in Hawaii, uh, some of her students on the mainland. I got to work uh, with her granddaughter and successor, Phyllis Furomodo to uh, set up the archive of her personal papers and um, so I got to read all of these letters and go through all these photographs and the class lists. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I just I did a deep dive into that while also learning Japanese and uh, reading, you know, the the 1930s uh, Japanese language newspapers from Hawaii and learning about that side of things. And also trying to uncover, dig up whatever we could find from the 1920s from Japan, like what what texts are still there. And, and um, yeah, it's been really exciting. And, and, and through that research, I got involved with Usui de Kiroho Gakkai, the organization Usui Sensei founded in 1922, and um, then got, have been able to study under them and, and had actually had permission to write about some of their oral history in, in some of my writing. So it's been, it's been a trip, uh, and I feel very grateful Uh, To have been part of, I mean, I really feel very conscious and grateful that, like, at the end of the first century of Reiki, as there's, like, this global community that's growing more conscious of itself and trying to build these bridges between different parts of this giant global network, uh, to be part of that process has been really a blessing
0: fantastic and a blessing for us too that you chose reiki and not jewelry sorry Joe Ray people um, <laughs> but, but you know it's because i think it can bring a lot of clarity so we had discussed maybe about um uh, demystifying some of like or debunking some of the biggest myths mm. in reiki history so i don't know if you want to start with a couple of yours or my selection
1: i've got a couple but i'm, I'm also interested to hear what you've got
0: Oh, I have a list. <laughs> so maybe we should start with one of yours and see if it doesn't match.
1: Okay. So one one that I've got, and I think, you know, um, this is maybe a little controversial for some people, but like, you know, it's that like there's Western Reiki and there's Japanese Reiki. And that, that's, those two things are very clearly distinct from one another. And I think that that idea, right, it's kind of born out of this like Orientalist view, right? Where like the East is the East and the West is the West and they never meet and they, they never change. And, you know, we can actually learn like the traditional Japanese practice and that like, you know, that that is like a thing that like the way it was done originally is like the right thing. And there's this degraded, way that people have really um you know degenerated it and it's it's corrupt now and we need to um purify it and like get back to the real original source like i I sympathize with some parts of that like there there are certainly people doing things under the name Reiki that like you know okay I could, like that really doesn't bear much <laughs> resemblance to uh you know what historically has been called reiki and so i can i can sympathize with the the desire for kind of purification and and boundary drawing boundaries and and um at the same time japan changes right that is not japan the way that the the gakkai for example practices today it's not necessarily the way it practiced 100 years ago and maybe that's good maybe that's right that like our world is not the world it was 100 years ago. 100 years ago, they were really revering the emperor as a kind of god man, and saying if you if you recite his poetry, your heart will like merge with his heart, and his heart is divine, and that will make you a better reiki practitioner because this divine, you know, man is has this incredible power, like a god, right? Where, like, you know, as a kami, like, and it can inspire us to be, and, you know, I'm not saying that maybe his poetry has no potential for spiritual inspiration, but at the same time, like, it was clearly immersed in a kind of imperialist, nationalist culture that I think is very different from the way most of us. I I don't know if there are very strong Japanese nationalist practitioners out there who want to revive the imperial family's importance in Japan. But I think for most of us, right, we can maybe try to see what can be recuperated out of those older practices and how could they maybe be adapted for our present age. And so I think a lot of the, the criticism of Hawaii Takata, right, that she changed things, I think a lot of what she was trying to do was, how can I make sense of this practice for my North American students who don't know anything about respecting authority, who, you know, who are hippies, who like, you know, don't listen to me when I'm trying to tell them things, right? I need a new precept. Honor your parents, your teachers, and your elders. Like, I need to tell them, hey, part of Reiki is like listening to your teacher. Like, um, you know, that the the exchange of energies and the story of Usui and the beggars camp. Part of that is because when I talk to the older uh, local Japanese practitioners in Hawaii, they didn't necessarily charge money for their treatments, but if they did a treatment and it was a good treatment and someone benefited from that, you got to be sure they were giving you stuff in exchange, right? Like they, that was just part of their culture. Yeah. And again, maybe people are trying to get away with getting something for free. Oh, wow. You know, like that there, but, but so Takada, I think really wanted to impress on her students, you know. There needs to be some kind of exchange for appreciation, for gratitude, and that that's a part of their healing. That if they aren't grateful, if they aren't, you know, that's they're not going to necessarily change. And so, yeah, I think a lot of the like, oh yeah, when Reiki left Japan, it started getting bad. Like I think that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that there are things that have changed over the years that maybe are not in the best interest of the practitioner. Like that's maybe clear. But at the same time, this like Japan is good and West is bad kind of distinction, I think is a myth that, I'm, that I've devoted a lot of energy to working I, on. I,
0: I actually love that you brought it because I always also like group Western and as one and they actually like 140 different practices. And I think for me, like the one thing that is wrong is you don't practice, right? So that for me, like, and you don't respect the system like i think those are the two things and i think honestly on both sides there are people guilty of that but Mm. i love that you brought that because it is true like i'm also like i'm not a japanese living a hundred years ago i may do martial arts and fantasize and one but i'm not right i live in harlem i take the subway so i how do i make my reiki practice work for me every Mm. day here versus yeah in a society that was a lot more organized without so many rats (laughs) <laughs> so I yeah a a with
1: something big and and uh maybe controversial but yeah and i think and i think there's this um oh i had i had a thing and that now maybe it's gone yeah Sorry. But, oh yeah oh yeah no the thing about practice that 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 for example a lot of lineages lost certain practices that now have been refound and are regaining popularity oh right like meditation, like meditation is great. Like, oh yeah, like chanting maybe, or like, you know, um, something. you know, these practices are very powerful and they were forgotten, but they were also replaced in certain like so-called Western Reiki lineages with daily self-treatment, right? That, that was, became like the new, in a sense from I, I, my way of understanding, be, became almost like the replacement for the meditation practice. You have to treat yourself every day. Like that, Right. And so, like you said, right, the most what's important, you respect your practice, you do practice like those. That is something that can be common in many different lineages around the world. Right. With that. Yeah.
0: I love that myth that you brought and you debunked. I didn't even think about it. So I'm so grateful. Okay, so I'm going with one of mine. And I wanted a little bit to demystify uh, that idea that he had no teacher. Obviously, he's the first uh, Riki system teacher. But that idea—that almost like, oh, I'm walking, and suddenly I'm in the mountain doing a meditation, 21 days without food and water. But I've never practiced before, right? I just go there, pop and now I can heal. So. Yeah. I okay. think it's probably very interesting because you have some of the research material behind it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's a great, it's it's a really interesting uh, topic. So Usui Mikau, right, it's written on his memorial stone, was a man of great and broad learning, that he was interested in history, philosophy, medicine, psychology, in Christian and Buddhist scriptures, in... Um, physiognomy like reading people's faces and knowing their personalities in incantation in like spell you know magic um the way of the immortals right of like going up into a cave and doing maybe like qigong type meditation right so um you yeah he was interested in a lot of things yeah he clearly studied things right at the on the other hand in the the denju uh uh, sorry the the denju uh, setsume the the in the in the hike right in the in the thing that it seems like the big thing that usui wrote the question and answer thing he does say like you know so i think it's it's in response he gets asked you know how does this work you know what tell me about your your therapy like how does it work and he's like listen i didn't learn this from anybody it's a wholly original therapy and even i don't really understand how it works you know i'm a, i'm the founder but like I went up into the mountains and I was fasting and the sky touched me or something. You know, it's it's a little bit, how do, how do you translate this? But like the air mysteriously inspired me. It touched me on the top of my head. And now I got this, this healing system. And like that, again, like you said, like, that's not really the whole story, right? That there is that, but there, I think that that there are both of these aspects and. And It's it's also
0: true, right? He did, he did, and I love when you say sky. For Japanese, again, we don't understand. Sky has such a big meaning when the sky touches my head, right? Heavens. Yeah. it's big yeah, emptiness, that's... the heavens, that spiritual energy. So yeah. we're sometimes very limited because of our lack of knowledge of Japanese culture. Mine is like this. Yours is huge.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, actually, it's interesting what you said about emptiness, because I've been very interested in that. So like, ku, like the the character for emptiness, right, is also sora, is also the sky. Um, yeah. It's not actually what, where it says in this particular sentence, but I've I've been trying to go down that route <laughs> a lot because in in um, in esoteric Buddhist philosophy, right, there's a, a real connection there between you know emptiness, which is like the the nature of all existence, and the skies. I'm I'm really interested and and the universe, right? So so okay. uchu, right? That the universe is like this the source of Reiki or the universe is filled with Reiki. It's not entirely clear, but the universe and Reiki are importantly linked. And so, um, yeah, that that kind of connection with emptiness is something I'm super interested in. But yeah, no, it's actually, it's funny because I, I asked the president and the former president of the, the Gakkai about this particular passage because it says Taiki, like the, it's really like air. The air, he was touched mysteriously by the air and I'm like, what does that mean? Like that he's touched. And I and I thought maybe it could be read Daiki, as like a great key. Yeah. I was touched by a powerful key. And they're like, oh no, 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 it's not that. It's Taiki. And I'm like, okay, well, what does it mean there? And they're like, it's like the atmosphere. It's like, it's like the ether, an atmosphere. I'm like, yeah, but what is that? And they're like, yeah, it's mysterious, it's mysterious. And that's, I think that's part of what Usui is trying to say in that passage, is like yeah, I don't really know what Reiki is. Like, I just do it. And like, for me, like that's a powerful teaching there. That, that is
0: like, beautiful. Yeah, and yeah, trying to understand it with your head, just practice and feel it, right, and do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But but I want to get back to one other part of the question, which is, and this was actually a recent insight for me. I don't think this is in my book, so I, I, I maybe I should put it Ooh. in before it gets published. But about, so in the Takata story, right? Of Usui, the the master narrative, I call it sometimes. That like, Usui is like looking in the Japanese sutras and he can't find anything about the Buddha healing. So he goes, oh, these are translations. I have to look in the Chinese sutras. And he looks in the Chinese sutras and he can't find anything. So he's like, I have to learn Sanskrit. And he looks in the Sanskrit sutras and there he finds like the formula right she says and he knew he had to test it for himself and he goes to the mountain to test it and then right he has the the experience with the light and then he sees the symbols in the sky or something she should not say that exactly but that it like it confirms for him oh the formula works like that's what he saw in the sutras right and you know, the story is a story and, and she tells stories as teaching tools and it's not yes. necessarily literally whatever. But, you know, if you know about the symbols and like the origins of the symbols, right, the, the what's sometimes called like the mental emotional symbol or the second symbol has its roots in a Sanskrit syllable that's used in esoteric Buddhism in Japan, right, to, to uh, symbolize, you know, one of the Buddhas or Bodhisattvas. And, you know, he found a a formula, like a Sanskrit formula, and he tested it out. And then he had this experience. Like, for me, it's like, oh, yeah, actually, like that story kind of makes sense in a new way to me that like, you know, the symbol is, in a sense, like a formula, right? That like, and he learned this stuff and he tested it out. And all of a sudden he had this crazy experience and he taught you know, his advanced students these kind of secret, sacred formulas. And it's like, oh, okay. Like that part of Takata's story, like that for a long time, I was like, oh man, like that's, that's a good story. But like, that's obviously not what happened. Now I'm like, actually it's kind of like a symbolic way of telling what happened maybe that like he studied and he studied and he studied and then he, he experienced And then he realized this thing that I learned really works. And it's now part of the system.
0: But I I love, as you said, he studied, studied, right? Like he went in depth into the sutras, right? So like, okay, if I don't have the answer. So that means, and those sutras are freaking hard to understand. Like, you know, I always need to have the book that explains them to me.
1: Right. But I think, I think that could have been like a symbol, like, you know, like a metaphor, like he studied the sutras. Maybe that's, he had some sort of esoteric master who he learned some practices under, you know, like that's the way she told the story.
0: They relate to that, to meditation, to emptiness, the sutras are again keys. And when you love the sutras, you gain knowledge and Mm -hmm. spiritual depth. So I like-
1: The sutras themselves are stories, right? And they're stories that connect you, right? The the idea of like, it's like a suture, right? Like Like a, it's like a thread and it connects the practitioner to the buddha right it's like the 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 dharma you know it's it's this way of connecting and in a sense to our true self right to the bodhicitta yeah. and so that that through a story right through a metaphor we actually find our true self or something right i i think that there's a lot there's a lot there's layers there you know
0: and again, they Japanese, right? So like in Japanese culture, you watch the teaching is even different. So I, st- I study martial arts and people in the podcast are tired of hearing me that, but they had to adapt the teaching to Americans because if you don't tell us what to do, we're not trained to just watch and repeat. And it's a very different way of teaching, but you, they teach by showing, right? Yep. If you go to Japan to a dojo, they actually expect you to watch them repeat and then practice on your own for hours. But I also think sometimes we assume like okay their way of learning is different, but that doesn't mean they wasn't studying, they wasn't learning, and there wasn't mm. that that effort behind it, right? And I say effort because it's not the kind of effort where you suffer for it, but but it's part of the culture. Like in my dojo, if you don't train, you don't advance. But but at least they're kinder and they're more they're like we're more diverse. And they will say like, well, you're actually doing the sourcing wrong, at least they will tell you. In Japan, they may not even say that. They just go like, oh, you know? So I, I love that dad, that, that he studied his own way, the way it was then. And as you said at the beginning, we have to adapt things. We, As modern people in the West, we could never study the way he did because it's a completely different way of learning. So I-, well, I the way
1: He taught his students, right? That they're-, yeah. they're... How, and like you said about they're very like kind in your dojo to actually tell you like, no, like that's not how you do it. Because <laughs> if they don't say like you're not going to figure it out because you haven't been socialized from a young age to be like, huh, my teacher isn't telling me anything. I bet I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> right? yeah, I'm
0: supposed to figure out how to do it by myself by practicing for 24 hours in the winter with a sword, right? Like without shoes.
1: But it's interesting because if you listen to Takata's um, tapes or, you know, or, or her students' stories, right, people will ask questions and she'll be like, stop asking questions. Just look at my hands. Look at what I'm doing. Practice this. Do this over and over again. Like she has definitely that.
0: Japanese teaching method. But at least she said, look at me and learn, right? right. Yeah, I'm sure like in Japan, they will not even say that. It <laughs> will just like, ah. I love, I love that answer, and I love how it ended up tying on the first one. Mm. So next, you have another one. So go, we're going one on one.
1: Okay. So one thing is like that. Reiki literally means universal life energy, right? Which is something Takata told her students.
0: It doesn't. (laughs) Okay, I'm like excited. I had an idea that was a valid. the
1: The problem is like it's a lot easier to be like that's not a good translation. What is a good translation? Hard to say. No, no, no. you have to
0: think more about what is.
1: De so they, all right, key is probably easier in that, like it's a, a more well-known concept. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of criticism of the idea of key being energy in, um, you know, different shiatsu or Chinese medicine, or, you know, that like chi or key energy has a particular meaning, right? That like there's like, for example, um, there's like matter and there's energy, right? There's a kind of dualism in there. Whereas yeah. if you look at kind of ancient teachings about ki or qi, it's not that dualism. It's it's both, it's both. It's
0: we love it's, that. It's, shin shin Kaisen, harmony of mind and body in the qi already. Mm. Oh
1: because, like, we are literally, like, made of key, right? We are, like, our form is key and our process, right? We are animated by key, right? It's just that there are more, I think they call it, like, turbid and more, like, light kinds of forms of key, right? That there's, like... Well, that's
0: there's quantum physics. That's physics, quantum physics, what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah. But there's, so, so there's, like, denser key and there's lighter key, but, like... Or, you know, what's the opposite of dense? Uh sparser key? I don't know. But but that that it's all it's all key on some level, right? And so yeah, energy makes it sound like we could like measure it. It makes it sound like there it goes from one thing to another thing and it gets like transferred into it. And that like and and I think a lot of those things can be distracting from like actually like maybe like what key is and like you can get like attached to thinking about like that like flow transfer kind of thing and like I know it's like very commonplace to talk about like you like you said to channel there's the universal source yeah. and I'm like a tube and it like flows through me but like I in my reading the really early stuff doesn't talk about that at all like it, it does but what does it say it's very vague like i said it's kind of everything's a mystery and so it's like doesn't really it's not a very satisfying answer but usui and and the memorial stone as well talk about that there's like this like reiki of the universe and it's related to this reino and no is another hard thing to translate but like and it depends how you want to translate day. So actually let me get to day first and then maybe I'll come back around to this. Okay. They, like the character day can literally be spirit, right? It's tama. Um but it can also be other things that are not like spiritual really. Like um budeyaku, like you know, mambyo no the what I would say maybe the miraculous medicine that can cure all disease or something, the marvelous medicine. It's It's not literally like the spiritual medicine, because if you look up stuff from that time, aspirin was a deyaku, That like, it's, it's, we might call like a wonder drug or like a miracle medicine or something like that. Oh. And so um, at the same time, they can mean spiritual. And that's where it gets confusing, is in some times when they're using it, it clearly is, it clearly is, a dualist kind of thing, as opposed to the body. There's a thing in uh, the... There's a part of the kōkai denju Setsume where Usui talks about like rei-niku. So like spirit and like flesh, in a sense. A very dualist thing. And that like reiki is good, it, it unifies them. The spirit and the flesh get unified through this practice. And so there, there is this kind of dualism which we need to like overcome. And, and so in that sense, they can be like spirit. Um, there's another funny one, um, a student of Hayashi's, this guy um, Matsui uh, Matsui Cho, uh, Sho, sorry Matsui Sho, um, he's like, well, even though it's called Reiki, it can't be a spiritual practice, a Daiteki hole, or something like that, a Daiteki, I forget exactly, but Daiteki something. Um, because I'm not a good person, and I can do it. He's like, I'm not. He's like, I'm not like a spiritual. I'm not like a great religious leader, and I can do Reiki. So clearly, it's not like spiritual, like an techie So
0: yeah, again, okay. okay. Yes, okay. but again, you don't okay. know how do you use it, right? Just
1: giving an example of, of yeah. some people at that time in the Reiki world were thinking of day as like spiritual. Yeah. Um, But I think another way to think about it, and what my um, kind of academic mentor, Yoshinaga Sensei, Yoshinaga Shinichi Sensei, has told me, and he's like one of the big experts on like these type of practices at that time, is that they can mean like wonderful, excellent, kind of miraculous, marvelous, right? These things that were like, it's it's amazing, amazing key. That could be, that could be like a translation is like, Amazing key, wonderful key. And that, so it's, as you may know, like in Chinese medicine, there are so many kinds of key, ki, right? And in Japan, right? You often talk about like Genki, right? You're like vitality. Yeah. And so Reiki maybe is like this really wonderful kind of key ki where if you are like touched by Reiki, and actually, we're all, Yusui says this, we're all full of Reiki. All living things have Reiki in them. But that there's some way of maybe like awakening it or like realizing it, putting it into practice. And when that happens, when the Reiki that's innate in us and in our environments gets moving or whatever, awakened or something, then like everything else, I mean, in the language of, of the late 20th century, like reaches its highest potential or something like that right that like
0: to live your best life yeah <laughs> being a i speak yeah exactly but but I, I actually like this very much because one thing i feel is like when we make reiki very magical for me is i know it's very attractive because it feels like you're gonna have this high spiritual experience but i what i love about reiki practice is actually very human for every day right like i Work with the precept when I'm really angry and I can settle and get inside in myself. Um, it helps me to feel better, as you say. It's like it's, it feels good, wonderful. So for me, sometimes even even though it is my spiritual practice personally, but making it more human and less spiritual, magical, like I think it's fantastic. I like the translation. Yeah. And regarding <laughs> students, I'm sorry to interrupt, like I'm sick of yeah. the dojo. Yeah, though it's a spirit, it's a spiritual practice, but it's in the closet. Mm-hmm. But you can do AI without being a spiritual practice. You learn how to do a katana, and a bunch of people just want to be samurais, and they're cutting really hard. What happens is, yes, they become very good at iaido, but they don't get to the higher level. So the last levels in Japan is actually about moving key, And yeah, there is semen, there is ma, There is a bunch of, like, perceptions of key, But again, it's a very normal thing. It's not like we're now spiritual people. We're just humans. Mm-hmm. Moving key like, having an experience that should be normal and human every day, we just kind of don't pay attention to it. So I love that, that, that yeah. story of the student.
1: Um, I was just thinking also about um the, like, whole, right, which is a thing you see a lot in the, in the memorial. And so if you, a lot of times translate it again as, like, spiritual method, but again, if it's, if you think about it as being, like, this like, wonderful method, right? And so, oh, I had a connection, that usui, taught this like wonderful method and so the precepts you were talking about not getting angry right yeah. and on the one hand you can think about that as spiritual development right yeah. that that to be in kind of control of yourself and your emotions to be hard working to be grateful to be kind you could think of those as spiritual kind of virtues or values um but you could also just think about it as like moral like or like one like just being like a good person right like it's and so you know I don't know I mean I think the word spiritual obviously like is a, a you know European word with its own connotations and they is like you know from Chinese origin Ling in Chinese and Rei in Japan and it has its own connotation and actually they share this thing about being spirit right, on some level, but they also, I think, have their own connotations in their own place. And so spiritual, I think, in our context, does have this dualist concept, right, where it's as opposed to the flesh. And um, there also is this kind of, like, hierarchy, like, who's the most spiritual or something, like, that, like, can creep into that kind of uh, language and 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 again right it's about it's about breathing it's, it's interesting and, it's, and so like the spire on the top of the church like reaching up aspi- aspiring towards god towards heaven you know something whereas i think they it, it i think there is something about like mystery there and um like they talk about when you walk into the mountains there's like reiki that's like when you look up reiki in the japanese dictionary that's one of the examples you always see is like The of the mountains and like being in this mysterious kind of non-human kind of place where you're very like small and alone and there's like things you don't know out there and you're like surrounded by power right and again I think there's overlaps with our idea of like spiritual but I think there's also differences as well.
0: And again, it's a culture a hundred years ago, Japan, right that they are I, I think when I was there and again I was there only for like six weeks, I was just shocked about interconnection with nature is everywhere. Mm-hmm. here's like oh, interconnection, like the concepts that we see as very almost like from Reiki or from spiritual practices, our everyday concepts over there. Like you go, and I went to a digital museum. It wasn't like I was in a highbrow singer temple. I was like in a digital museum and everything was about connection, mind-body. It was the language that we use as like, oh, guru, right? So I loved, but I love that you say like, we're made of Ray, right? Like our bodies and the importance of including the body versus our tendency as we're starting to make spiritual outside of the body, which is then we go a little bit ungrounded. Well, I think
1: there, but I think there is that in Japanese language too. Like, like the example I mentioned from the from the Q and A, he, he talks about um, rei niku. Like, rei niku is like the, the the spirit and body, and then it's like ichi nyo it's, like, it's like to unify. Yeah, right. And, and I, it's something they talk about right in 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 martial arts as well, right? The shin chi yeah yeah which one which one
0: um, in my art martial arts is kicking and comes from kendo yes. the term but is unity of sword spirit and body
1: oh yeah nice. yeah it's cool yeah. <laughs> in, in some aikido right this shin uh, shin toitsu it's like the unification of mind and body and, and a lot of times it's through breath and key awareness and all this stuff right so
0: but uh, it's beautiful and i think having a word that actually that was mentioned also in history i i'm not going to repeat the japanese sentence the Niku, whatever, because my memory for Japanese is, but that is a beautiful one.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, and so, yeah, and, and I think that there is something to that kind of even you know, so we like to, you know, dump as like dualism on dualism. In the West, we're so dualistic, and in Japan, they're so you know monast monastic.
0: Now they are
1: and but at the same time in Japan, they're talking about like yeah like in our ordinary lives like we're too dualistic and we need to overcome it and also right the other thing being that like they were moderns right early 20th century so one of the things I found from the period do you know what a theremin is no it's like a musical instrument you play without touching anything it's got like a, a, a like a it's like a, a, a electromagnetic field and you move your hand through it and it makes they use it in like sci-fi movies it makes like spooky music it's like and and so you you and you play it with your hand just kind of waving around in, in the air. And at that time, they called that the reiki koto. So like the koto, like the Japanese instrument that yeah. you play with reiki.
0: Oh, beautiful!
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I I need to find out to do a little more research into that. But I found that somewhere, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting because it was around the same time that. It was being invented, you know, all these kind of uh, discoveries into electromagnetics and radio, and all this stuff was going on right at the same time that Usui wow. was teaching.
0: And and we forget that that actually in Japan was so feudal for many years, and he was really born with the industrial revolution. Like so, yeah. he was really a very modern person who was bringing very new things. I love that we for, because we say it's a hundred years ago, but in Japan, like that age when he grew up was so important. Like, I love yeah. that.
1: Yeah, that the, the village he was born in was really like the old time world. And that in his lifetime, he saw this, this rapid modernization. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's
0: amazing. amazing. I always find interesting how these practice, like his came up when people felt isolated from their life, like, you know, and then we are having a resurgence of Reiki when we're having mm-hmm. this digital revolution, right? Not yeah. when things were calmer. It's like that same disconnection for our lives.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah, that that there's been um rapid change. And so there's like this feeling of maybe like uncertainty and like maybe alienation. And so there's like striving for connection, for groundedness, for yeah, for, for maybe ritual ritual yeah. practice. It's
0: interesting. I have one more question and then I'm gonna go to your Reiki oops because everybody has a Reiki oops. For the people who are a little bit more familiar with uh, Reiki history, it's kind of clear the answer, but a lot of people still believe the chakras are an integral part of the original practice. So I know it's kind of an obvious question, but I Mm -hmm. think, again, not all of us have trained Mm -hmm. with different masters or access. Again, Google can be very democratic in its information to call it somehow.
1: Yeah, um, thank you for the question. So, um, I know, I know. So, yeah, certainly like the seven chakras, um, very interesting story on its own about like how did that get codified? Um, because, you know, a lot of people say since, you know, for 5,000 years, the Indians have taught about these seven chakras and they're all the colors of the rainbow. And actually, it's funny because that's a modern process too, where many different people have been describing the chakras in different ways over, you know, centuries. And it's only really in like the late 19th, early 20th century that it starts to become like a very ordered system. Oh, wow. So that's a whole, that's a, it's, it's almost like a parallel story to that of Reiki, right? Where, of course, like in East Asia, like people have been healing with their hands for a long time too. And like, is it all like Reiki or is Reiki the system that really was systematized in the early 20th century. So anyway, that's a, that's a little bit of a tangent. But yeah, in Japan in the early 20th century, those seven chakras that we like think of, you know, when we think of kind of the yogic um, body were not widely known. Um, in Japan at that time, um, Usui certainly was not teaching that particular thing. If you look at the uh, treatment manual, the hand positions in the handbook, published by the Gakkai, which I was always wondering, when was it first published? There is, we found one where it really says the first edition was 1922, but we haven't seen the first edition, but we have seen one now from 1926. So oh, wow. around the time Usui passes away, they were publishing this handbook and the hand positions do are not like, you know, the, the you have to treat the seven chakras, like certainly like by any means, Um, But there are interesting uh, references to particular vertebrae on, which aren't, like, for example, like, um, I think it's C7, the seventh cervical vertebrae is, like, often associated with, like, the throat chakra or something like that. And it's not lining up exactly with the chakras. But the fact that they're referring to vertebrae by their kind of Western anatomical numbers yeah. Um, it was pretty interesting and maybe was a influence of chiropractic. Um, Tadao Yamaguchi actually points that out in his book. I, I had missed that. I read that book several times over the years, and I had missed it until recently. I went back to it, and I saw that. And I was like, good point, because like, chiropractic was one of those things I was picking up in Japan at that point. So um, yeah, but anyway, to return to your question, um, chakras was not an original part of the practice. But Takato, she, even though she didn't teach about pra- chakras, she did read about yoga. She was interested in yoga and she was very interested in the glands, the endocrine system and the like the hand positions corresponding to different glands in the body. And there's been a lot of also kind of work on like chakras and like nerve plexus and glands and like linking all those things together. So I think like her focus on like these different kind of like Plexes in the body may have been like the roots for like the next generation in the 1980s linking it with chakras and then it's taken off
0: and honestly like when you think of the core treatment like it does add up you know like I don't work with chakras but I still do those hands position right when people is like did you do chakra balancing like of course I did
1: right (laughs) because that's what Reiki (laughs) that's how Reiki works kind of yeah Yeah.
0: also because I did like I did place my hands there like it's fine right so it's but i was I, talking
1: I, with a friend re- oh sorry
0: no no go ahead go ahead
1: i was talking with a friend recently who re- researches yoga history and i was talking about the like the joshin kokyuho meditation and you know it's it's kind of like some stuff in qigong but it's also like this yoga book that was translated into japanese in the early 20th century and it's also like and he's like well you know the body. Like everybody's working with the same body on some level, right? And so there's only so many spots in the body you can focus on. And and I know, um, you know, some people like you know, uh, I think Francina has talked about like the three diamonds as like this, yeah. like, and you know that that goes back a long time in China, right? Associated with like the three purities of Taoism and in like um esoteric Taoist meditation, qigong meditation, again. Was Usui studying that specifically and saying, you know, there's the the head center and the heart center and the lower belly center. Like I don't have any evidence for that either, but like that at least is more of a East Asian common idea um, kind of thing. And you know, and and also um, very popular at his time was this meditation. Where um, have you ever heard of the 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 butter meditation?
0: Oh, would you imagine this? uh, this hot liquid that melts and goes down and melts your spine,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah so that that was a very popular meditation that goes back to like the eighteenth century in Japan um, but at in usui's time, um, so imagining that the the hot butter kind of melting down into your uh, head and down into your spine and going down into your torso and it kind of like heals your body. that was a very popular visualization. At the time, And it also kind of has a bit of this similar chakra scanning, chakra balancing kind of meditation.
0: Bringing that energy to the Hara, right? Like it's it's because at the end we may say whatever, but what happens is we have, we overthink, we need to just bring it down here. No and there. there is no something leave. I love about what you pointed, right? So Sui, the C7 and like all of those references means he did have a Western influence. And like, again, I'm going to use these terms with quote marks because I, you know, I know. So in a way, like sometimes when we become very purist, that's like, why do we have, we have to go back to original Japanese? Well, I think Reiki from the inception then had a beautiful crossover of techniques. Uh, she says, Chinese sutras, Sanskrit sutras, mm-hmm. you know, like he had these chiropractor influence or some other influences. So again, we go back to like, we just need to understand the background and respect and practice but being influenced is probably part of the core of the practice versus trying to be purist Purist, like i I like for me like i'm a japanese lineage because i like simple right so my practice has like five things that's it that's because i get i like to go deep so i practice the same thing for seven years don't ask me why i have a passion for that but that's but you know but i but that's it that's it's simplicity is one thing but like As you talk, I'm like we cannot be purists. We have to be a lot more because it was born out of someone who was Mm -hmm. like bringing stuff together to create something completely new. So that's the origin of it.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and and I I wanted, I do want to actually make a footnote that. We don't, know, we don't know that Usui was the one with the with the vertebrae. It could have been yeah. one of his students put it in there. The earliest I've seen this. Well, is maybe like,
0: he was a purist and the students started missing up very soon. No, in no,
1: that's not that's not at all. Because, <laughs> you know, from the memorial stone, it says yeah. he went to the West to study. I mean, it says he studied Christian scriptures. Like he obviously was interested in Western things. Not to say that he was the Christian principal of Doshisha University, as Takana said, but that there, there is something you know preserved at that time, the time that he died, in Japanese, for written for everyone to see on a big stone in Tokyo that says, this guy was interested in Western stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah.
0: And I love that you clarified that he's not a Christian doctor. Like, I learned that at the beginning, but-, but... He's
1: the biggest myth. I feel like enough people have talked about that. Yeah, and, yeah. and I do want to say, we don't know. He may have gone to Chicago. We don't know that he didn't go to Chicago. There were, as uh, Robert Fuston pointed out, there were a lot of different uh, Christian seminaries associated with the University of Chicago, and some of them just don't have any records at all of who was studying there at that time. So it's possible he he did go to Chicago to study Christianity. We That's something I think we will never know. Yet. But
0: another thing when you talk, like again, you said he studied Christianity, he studied all these things, right? Curiosity. So mm. a lot of time, and you... Our curiosity incarnated, you're a researcher, right? Okay. I'm very curious. My thing is like, okay, why do those have martial arts have to do with Reiki, what in common, how can I do So I think also a respectful curiosity, right? Not just like this is, and I think depends on your brain, but having the curiosity of like, how can I go deeper? How can I make just this practice make more sense? I think it's also something we could bring to the practice.
1: It's interesting. So the very first time I talked to Phyllis Furomoto, she interviewed me like the way you're interviewing me now on Skype for her radio show.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and after the talk, I didn't know what she would think of me at all. And I was, I was very nervous about what she would think of me. And afterwards she said, you know, the kinds of questions you ask and the kinds of things you're interested in are so different from the kinds of things I'm interested in. She's like, I, the kinds of things that you want to know, like, really could not matter less to me, like, but I recognize that there's a lot of people out there in the world who are like you, who want to know the answers to these things. And for them, your work is really important. And I want to support you on your path, because I can see, you know, whatever that you you are someone who's well fitted for to to ask and answer these types of questions. And I thought that was a really um, powerful kind of thing. And, a, and, a, a, um, and you said before about how you know, history can inform our practice. And I don't think that's necessarily true for everybody. That there are people out there who they get their story from their master in their training. And for them, that's enough. They don't need anything else. That they just want to, like you said, want to dedicate themselves to this is the style that I practice. And I understand there's other ways of doing it, but for me, this is enough, and I want to do it this way. And I think that's great too. I'm not out here trying to tell anybody like, "Hey, like your teacher was wrong, <laughs> you need to change. you know I understand that that's happening as a result. you know people are even you know um, you know at the heart of some of these lineages saying, "How do I honor what my teacher gave me and also recognize that there are new historical insights coming into being and i think that that's happening and i think that's also natural um but yeah it's not i it's not my agenda to go out and say like hey like everybody has to stop doing this because it's wrong
0: <laughs> i think actually what you gave us was the opposite like you gave us such a beautiful knowledge of of being compassionate of being open minded and understanding that already as an intention, it was a very creative like you know like someone who was very interested in many things and and i think it's it's the contrary like this knowledge is a little bit of of freedom and when i talk also curiosity sometimes curiosity when we practice our own practice right who am i because i i think when you say like i can practice reiki and not grow but if you bring curiosity like why do i get angry why do i still worry why do i that curiosity can take many shapes. And I think it can, like sometimes when I can plateau in my, in my practice, I've been placing my hands for two years and nothing's happening. Just change the filter a little bit, right? Like, and I think I think you gave us like so much information that can act as that moment where you're like a little stuck or a little bit judgy, because sometimes as Reiki people, we're a little bit judgy of others. What you gave us was such a beautiful, hey, there is no right or wrong, just practice. Even the history is not completely certain of anything. So I really, really appreciate But not anyone can live as perfect guests here who never make a mistake and their source of wisdom, even though they are, I, and people know I share, like I learned by mistake a lot. Now I'm trying to learn from other people who know a lot more, no. but a lot of my, I experiment a lot and I have made a lot of mistakes. I'm really grateful because it allows me as a teacher, practitioner to actually make it very approachable. So I wanted to know if either in your personal practice or in your search, was there someone that you assumed something and mistake again, quote Mark, that actually gave you a huge insight. Like, oh my God, that was completely different than I expected. Or wow, I'm going deeper thanks to this.
1: I think if I could do something, maybe like a mistake I was making in my practice that like, like, it really, so this was in 2002 and I was at a Reiki share in Kyoto. And I was very, you know, I was practicing all my qigong, I was practicing all my whatever. And actually, this might be a little bit about what we were just talking about as well. So I, I had developed, I had been practicing, you know, kind of like a hybrid wakey thing that I kind of had developed that I thought was really great, where I was doing this kind of rhythmic breathing, and I was visualization. And wow, like, I was like, really feeling like you know when i was doing treatments like i was sweating like they were like shaking and there was like it was like wow like this is really something going on and um i was at this reiki share and i have my hands on this guy's chest this old man and wow it was like really intense feeling and i was like okay i i kind of want to like pick my hands up because this is like it's a little much like what's happening right now. And I felt like this like magnetic pull where I couldn't pick my hands up and I got like scared. And oh. I, like, felt like, I felt like almost like being like electrocuted, not like quite electrocuted, but like this feeling of like, actually, but it is a little bit. Like I remember one time I plugged in a dryer, like a drying machine holding <laughs> onto the plug and, like, the metal part of the plug, and I had a sim that was more intense, but, like, but, but, but <laughs> yeah. I couldn't let go. I knew, and, like, time, like, slowed down, and I knew I had to let go of the plug, but I couldn't, and my fingers felt like they were, like, stuck to it. I felt like that a bit, where I was, like, really feeling like, hot, sweating, and, like, my hands were, like, glued to this guy's chest, and um, I got, like, really, like, worried and, like, nervous, and, um, and then I never went back to that Reiki share. I like stopped kind of practicing for a while. And I kind of went into like a little bit of like a dark period of my life. Like where like, I was like unhappy, like worried about my project and all this stuff. And um, yeah, I think now, like, I think what I learned is that like, I think at the time I was really like in this mode of like, I can make this like more and more powerful and more powerful is more better. I think now, like when I practice, like, yeah, there's a lot of trying to like step out of the way and like just like breathe and be present and like pay attention to your hands and pay attention to your feelings, you know, like pay attention to like if you're getting any feeling like you might want it. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't have like as like intense sensations as I did at that time when I was doing that kind of practice. But at the same time, yeah, it does seem like it's a much healthier maybe practice that I learned out of that experience or something.
0: I, I love that. And it's funny because I think, I call it the Reiki, like dark night, like the, the how do you call that in English? I think yeah. I'm very wrong. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> but those are the experience, like when we, if we come back to the practice, then like transform us. So I love that you share that story because I went through something similar, like a lot of people are, but we don't share it because there is a part of us is like, I don't want to tell people I was scared to do Reiki, right? But I love that you shared it because I think a lot of people will resonate with that story. Thank you so much. That's what I love about this. Like, you know, like, like we all go to the same and when we share it, like we also understand we're all in the same boat. I wanted to just ask you, I'm going to list obviously your website on the notes, on the podcast notes. Uh, I know you also have like recorded videos to go in depth in history. Is there something you want to mention? Because I know you have a lot of resources. This Mm -hmm. is just an hour and you basically have years of wisdom and research so should they go to your website or is there any other thing that you want to check out so i can include it as well
1: I, you know i've been doing so much stuff it's hard to say what's like the best and also like different things for different people who have different interests but um and the problem is some of the things i did like i did this whole like video series it was like a fundraiser and it's only available you know for you know donation now and and I did, you know, I I did um, some articles that are in journals that you have to be, you know, institutional access, whatever. I'd say if you go to my website, everything that I have for free. Actually, I should upload also my YouTube stuff. There's a bunch of stuff I have on YouTube as well. If you just put me on YouTube, I mean, there, you could also find a lot of other interesting conversations I've had with other uh, smart, interesting Reiki people out there. Um, but if you're interested in reading something. On my website, there's a lot of free resources, and if there's any, um, if there's anything that you want to read that you aren't able to find, um, if you want to email me steinjustin at gmail, uh, I'm happy to send articles. You know that are like subscriber only articles.
0: Yeah. Oh, you just cable the people watching this interview email. <laughs> but yeah. It's okay. Can, yeah. I mean, the website, yes.
1: Yeah, it's okay. The problem the website has like a contact form, but sometimes I don't see when people, I think this happened with you, right? You did you Yeah, to I went you
0: to, somewhere like, chunky.
1: Yeah. So I, um, I don't always see that. I'm trying to figure out how to make that not happen anymore. But yeah, don't try to contact me through the contact form on my website. That I need yeah. to figure out a little
0: bit well, I'll include your email then because I, a lot of people like, will be interested. There are no words to express my thanks. And like you, first of all, you opened my eyes so much to a lot of history because I am actually not a history nerd of Reiki. Uh, I know like at least kind of what happened, like the most basic things. So you really opened my eyes very uh-huh. much. And I really appreciate and I hope everyone who watched this video enjoys this as much as I do and I'm sure they will.
1: Well I really appreciate also I think you, you also have a, a very kind of key based uh, sense of the practice and uh, your martial arts experience and I really appreciate that as well and I find it really interesting how many you, the, the Iaido I don't actually know too many Reiki Iaido people but a lot of Aikido people um and if so- you
0: meet any idol reiki person please send them my way i'm like desperately finding like looking for one i know a lot of aikido too yeah uh, and if you're watching this and you do idol, please reach out <laughs> and you. i could talk for you for hours so i'm gonna let you go but it's a hard one to let go
1: <laughs>
0: thanks natalie thank you for listening to the dive into reiki podcast you can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, or just share it with your friends. It makes all the difference. Thank you, gracias, merci.